today. This time of the year, we customarily introduce a series of messages that focuses on prayer. October is our prayer month. One reason we do that, there's two reasons primarily we do that. Number one, we believe that prayer is the lifeblood to our church and any church really as it relates to accomplishing the work that God has called us to do in fulfilling his agenda in the earth. <clears throat> Secondly, every year in the last week of October, we have what we call our consecration week. Our consecration week we have been doing since, uh, I believe, our grand opening. And that consecration week is a time that we come together five days a week on purpose. The last week of October, from every day, uh, Monday through Friday, from about 7 to 8.30, we customarily come and we pray and we fast and we believe God. And I can honestly say that since we have been doing consecration week, uh, we have had, uh, uh, you know, uh, good participation in that. People have honored um, God because they understand the power of sacrifice. And so as so this month, I want you to to be in we're going to be in prayer mode. And so I want you to prioritize, if you will, and begin to think about the last week of October. Try to clear up your calendar. So if you can't make all five days, so that you can make a, uh, make, you can make it maybe a few days, a couple of days. But we want you to come out fast and pray and believe God to move in your life. If you're one of those who believe in the supernatural power of God and you really want to see God move on your behalf, that week is the time to come out because we're going to come out together and we're going to be here to pray. So as I said before, we entitled a message every time around this season. We have a series of messages and this year our series is entitled Unlocking Heaven. We're talking about unlocking heaven for the entirety of this month and it really focuses on praying in a way that get results. And so what we will be doing, we will be examining prayers that are in the Bible. For example, prayer like the prayer of Solomon. You remember when Solomon prayed for wisdom and and God made him the wisest king that ever lived. And God opened doors for Solomon. And today, Solomon is one of the most popular, the richest king, the wisest king that we ever knew. And many people don't realize, but all that came through Solomon's prayer. We're going to be looking at people like Hezekiah. You remember Hezekiah was a man of God who was serving and he had a sickness and a disease and he prayed and asked God to move. And God, God moved and added 15 more years to his life when God had told him previously that he was, it was time for him to die. Hezekiah prayed, God opened a door. We're going to look at these types of prayers. Or Jehoshaphat. How many of you remember Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles? When this man was, when all of the enemies, his surrounding enemies came up against him, and he prayed that God would deliver him, his nation, from all of his enemies. And God moved in such a spectacular way, they didn't even have to lift a hand to fight. God routed the enemies, all because they prayed. How many of you really understand that there's power in your prayer life? And what the enemy wants to do more than anything else, and, and I want y'all to hear me today because it, there's nothing I can talk about that is more important. Trust me. But what the enemy wants to do more than anything 
else is he want to keep us off our knees. He want to keep you off your knees. He want to keep you from getting into a place where you're communicating and believing and praying to your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that is not dead, but he's alive. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And my fear is, one of my, or I shouldn't say fear, but one of my great concerns is that we see prayer as just an obligation of posture and routine. So we got to kind of break out of that mold. We need to kind of come to a place that, that we understand that, 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 you know, the best analogy I can give you is, is Christmas. Have anybody, how many, how many times do we have, uh, we have, how many times do we have Christmas? What, once a year? And, 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 and Christmas comes around every year since I was a kid and before me and will be after me long until Jesus come back. And how many know there's never a time that a kid is not excited about Christmas? Right? I mean, man, they get, man, it's Christmas, we're going to get toys. I mean, they get excited because they're expecting something. You know, I believe God wants us to see prayer that way. Whereby we get excited, man, and that, there, there's, that we come before God with an attitude of expectancy. Because I believe that some of us, because we live in this flesh, we live in this body, and we have challenges, that some of us have come to a place where we don't really anticipate God to move. And it's a bad place to be when you're a Christian, when you know Jesus Christ and you pray, and then you don't even really have an expectation of anything happening. That is a bad place to be. And, more than, and, and that will keep you off of your knees. Because you don't really believe that something is going to happen. And so we understand that this is something that God has set in motion for all of us. Not primarily God wants to be intimate with us. How many of you know that we were made for God? We were made for his pleasure. We were made to serve him. We were called to love him. And it is not just a thing of intimacy, but it is how we push God's agenda through the earth, through prayer. And yet, sometimes we have a difficulty coming to the place where we get excited about prayer. And I want us this particular season to really begin to focus. And I want you to take the messages because many of y'all know me. I'm, I'm just a teacher. I'm a practical person. I'm not one for much fanfare. I'm not one to try to try to just get you all happy and excited, uh, you know, using nice really words and just trying to impress you. I'm a very practical person. I want us to get it. I want you to I don't want to I don't want you to walk out of here and just see prayer as a casual thing. I want you to walk out of here knowing that there's power in your prayer and that nothing is impossible to him who believe. Do y'all believe that? Nothing is impossible to him who believes. So prayer then is our vehicle in which God does that. Everything, what is prayer? Prayer is a privilege and an obligation of the Christian where we communicate with God. It's just communication with God. It's our talking to God. It is how we convey our confession, our requests, our intercessions, thanksgivings to a holy God. I mean, no, we are commanded to pray. Prayer is not manipulation. You've heard me say this on occasion, and I say it all the time because people do it all the time. But how many know God? Nobody knows the motive of our heart better than God. 
God knows exactly what we think, when we're thinking it. When, I mean, God, there's nothing hidden from him. We are all an open book before God. And how many know God knows when we're trying to manipulate him? And people try to do it all the time. Prayer is not about manipulation to try to get God to get on board with your agenda. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment. It's not just words, as the scripture just said, where we could just say the right words, something is going to happen. It's a, how many know it's not about formula? You know, it's one of the, the knocks on the, the, the old word of faith movement when they would, people just get these certain catchy phrases and sometimes you see them all on, you even see them on Facebook sometimes. They'll, somebody send you, pass this prayer around, just say these words and you'll get financial blessing, you'll get mirror, just say the words. How many know that is not a representation of what real prayer is? Prayer is based in relationship Jesus was in relationship with his father, and so are we. And so the minute you start seeing prayer as a, um, if you start seeing prayer as a sort of mechanical thing, then you miss the whole point. It's not that. It is about a loving relationship where you're communicating with God, and he's communicating with you. It's where you're sharing your hopes, your dreams, your aspiration. It is when you're communicating, you're laying your burdens before a God who wants to help you. And who loves you more than you can ever know. It's not just something that we do when things go wrong. That's what the unbelievers do. People who don't know Jesus, they, they start praying real quick, don't they? They don't have a relationship, but, they, but they'll pray. See, for the Christian, prayer is not just something that we do when things go wrong. It's, it's something that we do when everything is going right. We pray. In fact, I would say if you're in a season where things are just happening for you, man, where you're just being blessed and, and doors are opening for you, can I suggest to you, that is the time you need to pray even more. When everything is going right, pray. For us, it's a lifestyle. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's talk a moment about the call to pray. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26, 41, now, I want you to listen to this. Mm, it's very powerful. Jesus said to his disciples, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Look at the neighbor and say, your flesh is weak. And then you look back at the neighbor and say, I already know that. <laughs> Jesus said this. He says, now watch. Watch and pray. Now watch. He didn't just say watch. See, a lot of us watch. See, he didn't just say watch. Like we got this controversy going on in our country about the American flag. And then we got a, a, a president that is very polarizing. And the political fever in our country is, is at an all-time high. There's racial tensions. There's divisions all around us. And you know the easy thing for all of us to do because we live in this flesh is to pick sides or join in with somebody and, 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 just, and just complain and fuss about it and begin to make our case. But Jesus said he didn't just want us to watch and see what's going on. He says, watching what? Come on, work with me. Pray. See, there's a difference. See, don't just watch. Because he said, if you don't watch and pray, you will enter into temptation. In other words, you will start to think like other people think. You will begin to act like they act. And you will adopt their, their emotional attitude. You'll find yourself mad and angry because you're watching, but you're not what? Praying. 
prayer is the great equalizer. So when you find yourself in a place where you're, getting, you're too emotionally invested, you're not praying enough. Because how many know when you start talking to God, you don't see people as elephants and donkeys? Are y'all hearing me? Some of you didn't get that. Because some of us, we only see people as elephants and donkeys. And how many know that God came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. And some of the lost folks are elephants and donkeys. How many know we need to be always available to be a witness to anybody who would hear the good news of the gospel? So we, we got so watching and praying is it, it helps to keep us grounded so that we don't get caught up in that. So we have a right perspective in all of that. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians, as we're still talking about the call to pray, he said, pray without ceasing. In other words, that we're constantly breathing out prayers to God. It's not enough to begin your day with prayer. Some of you, some of us have a routine that's good. Some of us have a routine where we, every day we get up in the morning, perhaps you read your Bible and you say a prayer. But how many know that it's not meant to stop there? You know, when Jesus prayed, that was how he started. But that's, that was also how he continued throughout the day. How many know that we're always supposed to be, the only way to, to pray without ceasing is to always be into constant communication with God all the time. It's not to say you walk around and you ignore people and you just start talking. To, no, it's just an attitude. In your spirit, you're just releasing everything to God. When at a moment when somebody on a job gets on your nerve, you're saying, Lord Jesus, give me the grace to deal with this today. I'm going through some major challenges on my job. Man, I'm telling you, I'm talking to God like 24-7. I mean, it's like overload. I'm like, I'm talking. I'm like, Lord, please, Lord. Because my attitude, you know, there comes a point in time when everything you think you know, uh, that God will, God will begin to, to, to bring it out of you. You get to find out where you really are. God somehow put you in the, in the cooker, and what's really in you will start to come up when you start getting pressure. It's amazing how God does that. But, but, but. Prayer without ceasing, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's big prayers. It's small prayers. It's tiny prayers. It's medium-sized prayers. In other words, we're constantly in an attitude where we're, where we're inviting God into every corner of our life. How many know he's not just Lord on Sunday? He's not Lord from 1030 to 12 o'clock. Come on, church. How many know he's Lord all the time? So I need to be talking to him somehow all the time. I need to figure out a way to get my God involved in my situation because if I don't, I will lose my mind. I will make decisions out of my flesh because I'm not communicating with God. And when you start seeing yourself get in the flesh, you're not praying enough. Well, you ever heard this? They made me get in the flesh. Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. How many know nobody makes you do anything? Let me say that again. Nobody make you do anything. You decide what you do. You're, you're responsible for you. Listen, you ain't going to be able to get before the president of the throne room of God and say, well, 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 Lord, well, you know, Brother Walter made me do it. Oh, Lord, I was all right to Brother Jacoby came and he just, he the one that he's, no, God said, I'm dealing with you. It's not that. It's not that at all. I mean, we're all responsible for what we do. So the idea is to be in constant communication with God, we're communicating with him, we're inviting him, and quite frankly, sometimes I don't think we always want to invite God, let the truth be known, because how many of you have ever been in a situation, you ain't afraid to lie, that you knew that you were outside the will of God and something ain't feel right, but you want to do it anyway? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You, you know it. You, you know it in your gut. You know it. I, I ain't supposed to be doing it. I should. You know, but you want it so bad that you don't even want You don't really want to talk to God about it. So you know what we do? We block him out for that moment. We bring him back in. He said, God, hold on one second. As if, like, God, like, it's like we're telling God, like, hold on, God. I, I got a little, you know, I'll be right back. Like, God don't already know. How many know he's with us everywhere and <laughs> he sees everything? Nothing. He, we can't hide anything from him. Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy verse, chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. Therefore, I exhort, still talking about the call to pray. I exhort, first of all, the supplication and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all, everybody say all, all men for kings and all who are in a what? Authority. It's Bible. We may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence for this is acceptable and good in the sight of God our Savior. God called us to pray for our leaders. He called us not to slander them. He called us not to cuss them out. I must say that I am very disappointed, and I, and I don't agree with a lot of things in, in politics. I don't agree with different things that different politicians do, including our presidents. And, but there's a, there's a way that God called the church to respond to leaders. And I am disappointed. I got to tell you, man, I am disappointed sometimes. You know, to some of the stuff that I see Christians say about other people. Can, can I remind all of us, I just want to remind you of something, that there's a reason why the Bible tells us to pray for those who are in authority. You know why you tell us to pray for those who are in authority? Because they're lost. Because they have issues. Are you shocked? Are you like shocked? Are you like, well, no, they get it. People have issues. And, and when we come to a point that we start cussing and slandering and saying things, and then, and here's the thing, the Bible says, how many know the Bible says that blessing and cursing all not come out of the same mouth? I see people curse and say some horrible things, and then after the next day, I see on their Facebook praise, I'm going to bless the Lord, praise Jesus. I love, and I'm like, what are you, you sending? Their messaging is all whacked. I mean, just yesterday, you were cussing out the leader. You were cussing out the president. You were saying all these horrible things. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't challenge wrong, but how I many know we need to maintain our godly proudness? We need to maintain a godliness about what we do. Be holy. Be godly in our conversation. And pray for people. Why? Because he's saying that, 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 that you may be the key to a quiet and peaceable life, which is the will of God which comes primarily through the prayers of the saints. Our responsibility to pray and use every opportunity that we have to exalt Jesus Christ. How many know that their platforms are given for a reason? I don't know about you, but if I, have, if I ever have a chance to meet any president, I'm going to go right up there. I don't care if it's a donkey, an elephant, an independent Duncan Elephant, for those who don't know, Republicans or Democrats. Some of you look at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, but if, give me a platform. Give me an opportunity. Why? Because I possess something that they need. And how many know this life is for everybody who would hear? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? I, I just want to throw that out there to you because that's our responsibility. Jesus also said that my house should be called a house of prayer. Uh, Matthew 21, 13. My house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. The church ought to be known for a place that people can pray. No pastor, no leader has the authority 
to remove prayer out of a church. A church that is not a praying church is not an effective church. A church that's not a praying church is doing things out of the flesh. A church that is not praying are, are winging it. And how many know we don't need nobody winging anything? How many, know, how many would say, Pastor, I winged it a lot on my own and I done winged myself in a whole lot of trouble? I'd be the first one. I, I winged myself. I don't want to wing it. I, I, I don't know. How many of you feel like you need help? Come on, church. You want God to help you. I'm broke. Pray. Say, Lord, help me. I got no problems doing that. And so Jesus said, my, my house, my church, uh, when people think about my church, I want them to think about my church as a place where people pray. My house is called a house of prayer. This is God's will. So why does prayer tend to be a challenge for many of us? Jesus gives us some insight into this. He says in Luke, Luke's gospel, verse 1 in chapter 18, Jesus spoke a parable to them. He said that men ought always to pray and not faint. Think about that for a moment. He says, think with me. He says, men ought always to pray, watch this, and not faint. How many know that Jesus is telegraphing something there? He's telegraphing, if you catch it, he said he told he gave a whole parable right there in Luke chapter 18. The whole parable was so that men that, that if you endure, if you keep praying, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what you're seeing with your natural eye, he said, if you keep praying, on the other side of that is your breakthrough. You're gonna get what you're believing God for. He said, men ought always to pray. Jesus knows that we like patience. He knows that we will face trials. He knows that we would have to wait. And we live in a generation today that, is, that we do not care about waiting for anything. It's just not the way we're wired today. And yet God never changes. He says, men ought always to pray. Always meaning always. No matter what you're going through, no matter what it looks like, no matter how you feel. If you're waiting for a time to pray, if you're waiting to feel like praying, then forget about it. The only time to pray is when? Now. It's the only time to do it. Trust me. I've been doing this for a long time. No matter what season you find yourself. Because when you're not praying, our flesh, hear this, is conditioned to do things without consulting God. How many know you got to make your flesh consult God? You got to make yourself pray. If you don't have, listen, if you don't have it within your DNA, if you don't have some strategic plan about how you're going to incorporate God in your life on a regular basis, you'll revert back to your old self. What is your old self? You're making decisions based on what you think is right and then trying to put it on God. But in actuality, God wasn't even really in the process because you barely, you barely talked to him about the issue. So we're conditioned. This is why. This is, this is part of our flesh. We don't see the results fast enough. As a consequence, we even doubt if prayer really works. He said, I don't know, man. I, I prayed, I've been praying this for two hours. Ain't nothing happened yet. <laughs> hey, I've been praying, man. I've been believing God, man. It's been five years. It's been six years, man. I've been believing, man. Ain't nothing happened. So obviously God don't care. Obviously God is not listening Boy, we're going to be in for a surprise because 
God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As the heavens are high above the earth, so his ways and his thoughts way above our thoughts. And God's time frame is not according to your own. God is not confined by time. We are. We live in those restraints, but he doesn't. And there's a whole lot of things that God is doing that you don't even realize because you're not running an earth. You're not running. <laughs> Anybody here running an earth? Please, if you are, come up here so we need to cast that demon out of you real quick if you say yes. Can you imagine? The God, God is working. I don't, I don't even know how it's possible, but God, he hears every conversation, every place, every time. He's aware of what everybody's going through, all the peoples of the earth. He's, he does it all. He knows every, I mean, it's amazing. He's what we call, he's omniscient. He's all, he's all knowing. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. I mean, it's, it's amazing the kind of God that we serve. So God is always pulling strings in the background and, and we don't always see it. So that's why we jump off the bus. So sometimes we jump off the bus too quick. But Jesus, remember, he said in, in, in Luke chapter 18, I, I, I'm saying this parable to you so that you will pray and never faint. Because why? I know there's going to come points in time when you're going to be like, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to pray. I know the pastor told me to pray. Oh, I know his reality. You know, I prayed after all that she wouldn't die. And she did. So obviously God doesn't care. These are the things that we battle with. Because, because we don't, we, what we got to understand is prayer ultimately, and I'm going to talk about this here in a second. I only got a few minutes left. But prayer ultimately is getting on board with the mind of God. Are y'all hearing me? Prayer ultimately is not, see, this is, this is where we get in trouble. Prayer is not for you to come and treat God like a genie for God to give you, when you what you want when you want it. I thank God that he don't give me what I want when I want it. How many of you glad that God told you no about some things? I was thinking about a girl I used to love when I was in high school. I am so glad. <laughs> God said no. <laughs> I mean, you no know talking about, come on, say amen. I mean, I'm glad when God say no about some things because, quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know as much as I think I know. But I do know this that God is working some things on my behalf. I know that, and I know that ultimately that my purpose is to get on board with God. What is your mind? How many of you, when you get into prayer, how many of you, when, when, when you pray, that your first thought is, God, what is it that you want? How many know that God is not our servant? He serves us, but he's not our servant. That's not his primary. How many know that we belong to him. Our job is to fulfill his agenda. His job is not to fulfill ours. Mm, let me put it to you this way. Jesus said, if any man come up to me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. He said, if you want to save your life, lose it. <laughs> well, that don't sound like a great deal. No, God's come to take over the whole thing. You have no life. Oh, pastor, that's such a horrible thing to say. If you're saved, you have no life. You gave it up. Now you march to the drumbeat of what God wants to do in your life. That's your purpose. And when you're trying to find some other way to get back to that old way, it just gets everything all messed up. 
How many know that we're in spiritual warfare? It says in Daniel chapter number 10, verse 12 and 13, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have time. I got to get ready to stop. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to cut my, condense my messages down to uh, 35, 30 minutes, 40 max. I'm working on it. Y'all pray for me. Don't pray too hard, but pray for me. Um, I'm working on that. You know, it's a work in progress, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. But uh, you remember uh, that in, this, in this particular passage, Daniel had been praying. And, uh, and the angel came back and told Daniel, said, Daniel, from the first day you prayed, um, the Lord heard you. But for 21 days, the powers of darkness basically held me up, stopped me or, or just slowed me down. I want you to understand that we're in spiritual warfare. So sometimes the delay doesn't mean that God doesn't hear you. It's just that there's warfare. How many know that we're at, how many know that the battle for our country, some of y'all don't look at it in the flesh. America is under a, is in the, under a spiritual siege. The forces of darkness are working overtime. If you're seeing this through the eyes of the flesh, you're going to miss what's going on. This is spiritual warfare. This is for the souls of men. Are y'all hearing me? There's a battle for the souls of men. That's what's going on. And it's being manifested within the context of our government and throughout our nation. We're in spiritual warfare. The church is in spiritual warfare. There's a push and a divide that is trying to happen with the church. I'm most concerned about that because I believe that the church under the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ has the answer to the problems of life. I believe that there's nothing in this world that the church don't have the capacity to handle and bring light to because I believe essentially that Jesus is the answer to all things and we are his body. We have the answer to all of life's problems. How many minutes have I gone so far? How many? 31? Oh, I'm doing good. Hallelujah. So Jesus instructs us to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 down to verse number 15. So Jesus instructs us not to be like the hypocrites. That's verse 5. Remember he said there in verse 5, he says, look, here's the model prayer because we're talking about, I forgot to tell you the title of my message. The title of my message, by the way, is the blueprint for prayer. Um, so that's the title. Um, but Jesus gives sort of a model prayer, an outline for how to pray. He said, now, when you pray, he said, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of streets. Can I say, say, let me just say this. Jesus instructs us not to be like the hypocrites who pray for show. How many know that prayer is not about trying to impress people with great, big, nice words? You know, prayer is not about trying to impress people more than it is about getting results, getting the attention of God. In fact, Jesus said, if when you pray, if your whole point of it is, is you're more concerned about what people are saying and thinking about you than praying, then you're, you're in the wrong place. You're not praying to him. How many, how many know that, that Jesus said this, if, if, if your goal is to impress people, that's your reward. That's it. Forget the answer to the prayer, the thing you pray. Your reward is because you want to impress people, that's all you're going to get from me. Mm. I mean, the Pharisees, they like to pray for show. They like to stand out in the street, man, and have on their big old robes and doctor, Dr. John, how are you, sir? In the name of Jesus, most holy father, omniscient and omnipresent, all powerful. God of 
great power and God and all of this fanfare. I mean, no, it ain't about that. It's about getting heaven to move. In verse number six, Jesus kind of refers to it, and this is in Matthew chapter six. Jesus says, uh, go into your room and shut the door. Jesus is really saying that when we're praying, he's reminding us our prayer is to be directly toward God, not directed toward people. You ever been in a prayer meeting with people and then somebody want to send somebody else a message and, and they're supposed to be talking to God, but then they're trying to give some instruction in the prayer? You know, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you know, Lord, we ain't, people are supposed to be showing up. They, you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Well, who are you talking to? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we, we pray, supposed to be praying to God, but really we're trying to send somebody else a message in our prayers. Y'all ever seen people do that? They get mad and want to send a message. Well, Lord, Lord, you know, they, everybody's supposed to show up for the work, Lord. Help us. Everybody, somebody ain't show, you know, and we start complaining. And really, what, what, what you really should do is the person that's bothering you, you should go to them and have a conversation. But when you talk to God, you need to talk directly to God and ask and tell him what you want. That's not a time to try to, 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 to call out somebody. It's, it's a time, every time we pray, how many know we're talking to God? Every single time, we're communicating to God. He says, I will reward you openly. And, and at verse 6, why will he reward us openly? Because we're not trying to impress people. Because our goal is to communicate with him. And verse number 9 through 13 Jesus gives sort of an example. He says, our Father in heaven, we begin our prayer with reverence and respect. I just have an issue sometimes when people say God is my buddy. It just bothers me. And for some folks, I understand what you're saying, but you ever hear people say God? No, God is, he's, uh, he's Lord. He's King of kings, Lord of lords. He's coming back. And I ain't got no buddies that can create earth and that can destroy things with just a breath of his, just saying it. Um, that create things, by the way. How I many know he's, he's, a, he's a mighty God? So we begin with reverence and respect. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. How I many know that, as I said before, that every time we pray, that we need to come, our approach in prayer is to always be God, I'm here to do your will. In fact, John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. And whatever he hears, and, and if, we, if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we ask of him. So watch this, church. I want you to hear this. This is so important. So whenever we come before God to pray, the disposition must always be, whether it's a small prayer, big prayer, a 20-minute prayer, an hour prayer, two-minute prayer, the disposition is, God, I'm here to do your will. Uh, if you ever go to a restaurant, you, you know, one thing, I, I love good servants, a good waiter or a good waitress. But, you know, when they come there, a good servant, a good waitress, they make it all about you, don't they? Right? They come up to the table, what would you like? And some of you, you go to the same restaurant all the time. You know why? Because I like the service. They treat me right over there. And a servant, they'll, they'll come to you, and, and, they, and you know it right, out, right from the back, it's all about you. And by chance, if they think you're not sure, they'll even try to recommend certain dishes for you. And then I like the one that'll get down on their knees 
and they just kind of talk. Not because I'm trying to, I need to be impressed, but the whole attitude is, I'm, I'm here to serve you. And they begin, and what they're saying to you is, I'm here to serve you. I'm, I'm, you're here at this restaurant, and, and whatever I got to do, I want to make sure that what you want, you have. How many know, church, that that's the attitude that we need to have toward our God? That we're here to serve him. Are y'all hearing me? So, so whenever I approach God, here's my attitude. God, what is it that you want from me? God, I'm thinking about doing this. God, I believe that this is what you want me to do. I'm thinking about moving. I'm thinking about relocating. I'm thinking about getting another job. I'm, this is what I'm thinking, but God, will you please, if, if I, for some reason, God, if this is not you, then God, redirect me, show me. But some of us, we, like you said, if, but if you're, if you're going into prayer and you're already set on what you want to do, then it, you know, it's hard to get there. So I, we always have to have that, opportunity, that mindset. Jesus says, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Lord, give us our daily bread, he says in verse 11. So we're praying that God meet our daily needs. That's how we pray, that God will meet our needs, our family, our church, our community. That we pray for forgiveness when we sin against God, and everybody does from time to time. We confess to him, verse 12. This is what Jesus has given us an outline. We confess, we ask for forgiveness, but not only do we ask God for forgiveness, we also practice forgiveness as well. We pray that we don't succumb to temptation. How many know that uh, there are so many different temptations that are out there for all of us to, uh, to, fall, in, in, to fall into Satan's traps? But at the moment we feel weak at the point or even giving up or whenever we feel like we're being tempted, next time you feel like you're being tempted, here's what you do. Stop and just say a quick prayer. I don't care what it is. The next time you're being tempted to do something that you know you probably shouldn't be doing, just stop one second. All I ask you to do is take like, take like 40 seconds and just pray and watch what God will do. It'll snap you right out of it real quick. That's a practical advice. That's what I do all the time. We want to pray in verse 13. We want to pray for, from demonic attacks because we're being attacked by the enemy. And Satan is going to do everything he can to try to attack us. So we need to pray that, uh, against these spiritual attacks because we understand that the, there's a, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're battling with. And, and it's important that you know that because if you start thinking that people are the enemy, you'll get mad at people. And God is trying to save people. So don't want you mad at people. People are lost. People need help. And so what, when we're praying and asking God, he says, deliver us from the evil one because there's a, demonic, there's a demonic influence. And so we need to take time, I believe, daily. We need to follow this model. We need to follow this model right here. Your kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive. Uh, Lord, uh, don't allow us to fall into temptation, God, and deliver us from the evil one. I believe that our, the outline, our prayers must, should be within the context of the outline. Why? Because Jesus said, and they wanted to know, Lord, teach us how to pray. And this is how Jesus taught them. He said, here's how you pray. It's an outline. I think we need to follow that, and I think we will have much more success. Amen. Come on out, uh, brother. We, we're, we're, we're closing this thing down. Finally, church, I just want to say this. Um, in James 5, verse 16, and we're going to get prepared for a communion. I'm going to ask the ushers to begin to do that. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Pray for one another. So important. We need to start praying for one another. In fact, I will say this. Don't be in a hurry sometimes to come to church and leave out of the door. 
But if you got a burden or something on your heart and you need God to move, just find somebody in the church and say, look, can you pray for me? I don't know, you know. Just find somebody that can pray and agree with you. Because um, the Bible says a, a lot of times we're healed because we pray for each other. But then he goes on to say that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Prayer avails a lot. It does matter. A righteous man is someone who's in right standing with God. That means you're Christian. You're sitting here today and you're not in right standing with God, then you're not at the entry point. You need to first give your life to Jesus. You can't be righteous outside of giving your life to Jesus Christ. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're not right with God today, I want you to give your life to Jesus. He died for you. 